the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I want you to think with me for a moment about your own life. Think about maybe the last 12 months or the last 24 months or maybe even longer than that or maybe the last several weeks. Maybe you've gone through a painful disappointment. Maybe you've had a setback in your life. Maybe you've gone through a loss that you're still dealing with. Or maybe you just had something that failed that you'd hoped would have succeeded and it just didn't happen. Anytime these kind of events happen in life, and they do happen from time to time, they let us down. When they let us down, there's a, there's a very strong tendency that we all have to slip into something called hopelessness. Hopelessness is a horrible thing. And hopelessness doesn't mean that you're just totally hopeless, but hopelessness kind of works on a scale, kind of a little bit hopeless to like totally hopeless to despair, just giving up completely. And many times we live our life somewhere between just a little bit hopeless and totally hopeless about something. And sometimes somewhere in between, and it robs us of the joy that Jesus has for us to experience. And so when you go through stuff in life that will leave you a little bit hopeless or a lot hopeless, you have to learn how to reset your hope so that there's hope in your soul. And let's look at some Bible verses, some scriptures that talk to us about the value of hope. I'm going to start actually with 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Would you read this together with me aloud and loudly, all together as a congregation? Here we go. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The Apostle Paul said, I want you to build your life around three things, faith, hope, and love. Three essentials for your life, three things that you really cannot live without. You need faith, you need hope, you need love. Obviously, the greatest of these is love, but just because the greatest of these three is love doesn't mean the other two are not important. Would you agree that faith is important? Of course it is. Faith is how we please God. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us you can't even please God without faith. And so if faith is important, certainly love is important, then hope is important as well. Listen to Romans 15 verse 13. Just let this verse get into your heart. May the God of hope, notice that. Who is he? The God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God's desire for you and me is that we would not only value hope from the standpoint of faith, hope, and love, it's one of the big three, but also realize that God wants to help us to actually overflow with hope by the power of God's Holy Spirit. So hope is a very important thing. We need to know some things about hope. So I'm going to share with you three things that you need to know about hope that will help you to reset it when you begin to feel hopeless at some level in your life. Number one, you need to understand that hope is more than positive thinking. Being optimistic is not the same thing as hope. Hope goes deeper than optimism. Because actually, my optimism is a fruit of my hope. 
Because I have hope, I can be optimistic. If I don't have hope, then I will struggle. I will work hard to be able to maintain a sense of optimism or positivism about life. But I have hope, and I have a God kind of hope, and the God kind of hope allows me to look at life from a positive, optimistic perspective. See, the Bible says that our God is the God of hope. He's the God of hope. This doesn't just mean that God gives us hope. God is hope. God himself is hope. When you get around God, you get around hope. As surely as God is love, and as surely as God is truth, God is hope. And what does that mean? And the essence of God being hope, it means this. It means that God, by his foreknowledge, by his understanding, by who and what he is, he understands that where everything's going to end. That he can look now toward the end, and he's not bothered at all by it. Because God knows the outcome already. In his omniscience, he already knows the outcome of all things. And because of that, he has hope. He is the God of hope because he knows how things are going to turn out in the end. And this is important for us as well because this is what allows us to have hope also. Because hope is not optimism. It's not based on this temporal thing of I'm kind of wishing things will go well. No, hope is based upon something much deeper than that. We have hope because we have a God who sees the beginning from the end. And because he already sees the end and knows that everything is going to be okay. When we're in him, then we know that everything is going to be Okay, we can be confident. Listen to Romans chapter 8, 37 through 39. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I'm convinced. That's a very important word. When someone is convinced of something, you can't change their mind, right? There's no flexibility with them. They've come to a settled decision. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this is the kind of hope that carries us through life. We know that nothing can separate us from God's love and God's grace and God's goodness. We are in a good place because we serve a good God who already has everything worked out at the very end of all things. He sees it from beginning to the end. He is the God of hope because of his knowledge, because of his wisdom, because of his grace. He's the God of hope. Now, what this means is this. Let me give you three things. It'll help you to understand why this hope is more than positive thinking, optimism. Biblical hope is based upon three things. I want you to get these three things down. It's based upon the promises of God, the integrity of God, and the power of God. We can have hope because of those three things. This is why hope works in your life. Because when you have hope in God, you know that, number one, God has given to you promises that you live your life by. And every promise that God gives is backed up by His, what was the second word I gave you? His integrity. Okay, God never promises something that He does that He's not truthful about. He doesn't hold things out. People will promise you things they never deliver on, Right? God never promises you something that he doesn't deliver on. Okay, you've got to understand this. Very important. It's backed up by his integrity. This is his word. His character says, if I say I'm going to do this, I am going to do it. And then it is backed up by his power to accomplish what he said he was going to do. Right? So you can be well-intentioned. You can be even have integrity in making a promise to someone. 
and you fully intend to deliver the promise, but if you don't have the power, the capacity to do it, then that's a part of the equation as well. So when we talk about hope in our life, hope is built upon the fact that the God that we serve has given us promises. Those promises stand firm in his integrity because God never lies to us, but it's not just a matter of saying he has good intentions for us. He has the power to actually accomplish it. That's why I have hope for eternal life. I have hope for eternal life because I have a promise based upon God's integrity that is backed up by his power. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let's break this apart. What's the promise? Everlasting life. What's the pathway? What's the integrity? What does God say? That if we will believe on his son, that's the promise, we will have eternal life. And does God have the power to deliver on that promise? Of course he did. He proved it when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the grave. He said, I show you that I can get you to heaven because of what I did with my son. If you're in him, you'll, you'll be secure for eternity. So you've got to see these three things come together. So hope is not just walking around with your head in the clouds, having a bunch of wishful thinking about life and trying to be an optimist. No, I will tell you, every believer ought to be an optimist, not because they're simply trying to be optimistic, but because we serve a God of hope. We have something of value called a hope in our lives, okay? And hope is powerful. And this is where we have to get back to because those things that happen in life can drive us away from the promises of God and the the sense of God's integrity and the sense of God's power. And so we have to reset and come back to the reality. I'm not just a positive thinker. I'm a person of hope. I have hope in my heart because of my relationship with God. Number two, the second thing, you need to know that hope is not optional. It's essential. Go back to what Paul said. Now abide three things, faith, hope, and love. Hope is the kind of thing that you want to make sure you're always carrying with you. As the old commercial used to say, don't leave home without it. Don't ever go on a journey without hope because you you can't do life well without hope. Look at Hebrews 6 verse 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. In other words, this hope is what gets us into relationship with God. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Now, an anchor on a ship or anchors on a ship settles it against the currents of the water and the currents of the wind. That's what an anchor, an anchor does. You put the anchors down on a boat because you know there are going to be certain currents of water that will try to push that boat off course or there will be certain currents of wind that will try to push that boat in the wrong direction. And so you set an anchor so that you do not drift. And the Bible says that hope needs to be an anchor for your soul. You better not go sailing without an anchor. You better not get on a ship without an anchor. You're going to need one. It's essential in our lives that we have this as well. Why? Because what does hope do for us? Let me talk to you about why hope is so valuable. What does it do to your life and for your life? Hope is what gives you vision for your future. Hope gives you courage. It gives you strength. It gives you persistence and patience. So when you have hope, you can press through anything, can't you? When you have hope, you say, well, it's tough right now, but I can see that on the other side of this mountain, there's going to be some beautiful things. 
When you have hope, it allows you to press through the darkest tunnels of life because you know, I'm going to see a light eventually at the other end of this tunnel. I'm going to find something on the other end of this thing. I can make my way through because hope is carrying me. Hope is what gives you rest and peace internally. And so that's why the Bible says that hope is, a, is an anchor for your soul. Let me ask you this question. Why would Satan target hope in your life? Why would Satan try to rob hope from you? Because if he can rob your hope, he can rob your vision, he can rob your motivation, he can rob your discipline, he can rob your courage and your strength, he can rob your persistence and your patience, he can rob your rest and your peace. If he can just sort of mess around with your hope and mess it up a little bit, then what he does, he's got you right where he wants you because he pulls you out of the game. He likes to steal hope from us. And when he robs you of hope... He robs you really of life. And that's why hope is not optional. Hope is essential. You need it in your life. The third thing I want to talk to you about is that you have to regularly nurture hope. Any good thing in your life will only be sustained by nurturing it. You can't just wish it into your life. You actually have to nurture it into your life. You have to do things that allow it to be there. And that's what hope is about. First of all, it's received by faith. You receive hope when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So hope is connected to faith, obviously, even as Paul taught us faith, hope, and love. But it's also maintained in your life by the right practices. Notice 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So here the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, if you want to be godly... And part of godliness is to have hope, right? Because who is God? He's the God of hope. And so to be like God, you have to have hope in your life. And so for us to experience godliness, there's a training process involved. You have to put yourself into training. There's some exercises that you have to do for this to happen in your life. So I'm going to talk to you about 10 exercises or 10 practices that you can do when you find your hope slipping, okay? Number one, you need to make sure that you refuel daily. You and I need to recalibrate with God every day because hope is a spiritual resource. And I will tell you that you face trouble every day, do you not, right? There's something that you and I are dealing with every day that's draining our resource from us. And just like we physically refuel every day, we eat and nurture ourselves physically and we nurture ourselves by resting and sleeping so that we're ready for the next day. In the same way, spiritually, this is what we must do. You and I need to be in a habit of being with God on a consistent basis. And why is this important? Because I've learned this. When my hope begins to wane, when I begin to lose hope about something in my life, and I get around God, okay, I just get into God's presence. I get into His presence by spending time with Him. When I begin to engage with God, as soon as I sincerely engage with God, I'm engaging with hope because He is the God of hope. Number two, focus on God's goodness. I want to tell you today, just remember this, the God that we serve, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is a good God, okay? 
You fear him and the sense of reverencing him, of course. We all fear God. The Bible teaches us to have a reverence for God. But you don't need to be afraid in, a, in, a, in an intimidated way about God because God is very, very good. And I want to encourage you to learn what the Bible says about God. Who is he? What is his nature? And what the Bible says about you. Who are you in God? You are a precious creation of God. God has tremendous plans in store for your life. And so you begin to realize This is who I am in God, in Jesus Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. You begin to realize these things because there's nothing like promises from God, promises about God's goodness to get you through whatever you're facing in life. So you're only one promise away from incredible, overflowing hope in your life right now. One good promise from God will get you through. The third thing I would say to you if you want to maintain your hope and and reset your hope is to make sure you stay in your own lane. One of the greatest robbers of hope in your life is comparing yourself with other people. Here's the good news. If you'll stay in your lane, there's enough of God's grace for you. It's sufficient for you as long as you stay in your lane. Get back in your own lane. God has good plans for you. Amen? It might be tough right now. It might be challenging right now. It may make you feel hopeless at times right now. But you just stay in your lane because I promise you, your lane is a good lane. God has a good lane for you. In fact, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, the scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that promise is for you. So stay in your lane. Don't try to run somebody else's lane. Number four, continually adjust your perspective. Your life is bigger than whatever your problem is right now. One or two problems doesn't define your whole life. The devil would like nothing more than make you think that that problem you have in your life right now defines everything. No, it doesn't. It's a problem. It's an issue. Yes, you're going to have to work on it and address it and work through it. And yes, there's something on the other side of that issue for you. But that's not defining every part of your life. That's only one part of your life. And so sometimes you have to step back and take a look at the broader picture and say, you know what? Yes, this is difficult, but look at the blessing that is in my life. Look at what God is doing. Look at not just the situations that are tough or difficult, but let's take a look and see the places where the blessing of God has been on my life. And so you get a new perspective. You step back, you adjust your perspective. Perspective oftentimes is everything. Number five, if you want to have hope and reset your own hope, you need to build hopescapes in other people. This is important. What's a hopescape? A hopescape is something you draw in the life of another person. That when you're going through a tough time, one of the best things you can do is find somebody else who's going through a tough time and just pour hope into them. You know why? Because if I can begin to get out of my problem and my hopelessness, and I begin to pour hope into you, I start building a picture for you. You know, yeah, you're going through some tough things right now, but God's got a future for you. God's got some incredible things in store for you. And so I begin to pour into another person. Then what it does is it takes me out of my problem, and I begin to minister to someone else. And you cannot give without receiving. Every time you give... There's something that happens. There's this reciprocity in God. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, so the principle is when we give, when we serve, there's always something that comes back to us. Every time you serve somebody else, there's a blessing that comes back your way. And so if you're hopeless, go find somebody else who's hopeless and get out of your hopelessness and begin to pour hope into them. And guess what will happen? There'll be some hope that will come back into your life as well. Okay. 
just walk around, be a hopescape drawer. Just say, hey, I want to build some hope in your life. I want to build some hope in your life. I want to communicate some hope to you. And you'll find that that's an encouragement that happens in your own soul. The sixth thing you have to do if you're going to reset your hope is you have to check your emotions. Let me explain what I mean by that. To check your emotions means you keep a check on your emotions. Because, see, hopelessness will get you quickly if you don't catch it on the front end. If you don't realize it's starting to get a grip on you, it gets you into the pit of despair and you have no hope for your future, nothing positive for your life. Because if you're not careful, it's a very quick journey down that pit. It's like quicksand. So what you want to do is you want to develop a sensitivity to when my hope meter is going down. When is that little hope meter starting to go in the wrong direction? And so I can be aware of this so that I can address it quickly on the front end before I get pulled into the pit of despair. Number seven, the seventh thing is valuable to you is to learn to journey, journal your journey. Let's learn the value of writing stuff down. Write down your thoughts, write down your prayers, write down your pain, write down your challenges and work your way through them, evaluate them in the light of God's love. Number eight, celebrate your blessings. I think one of the biggest challenges we have in our world today is grumbling. Discontentment and grumbling about life and a failure to simply be grateful. And when you're a grumbler, watch out because you just open up a big old hole in your soul to let hope just run out, okay? But when you're grateful, you're plugging those holes and you're keeping a heart that is filled up with hope, not only for yourself, but to share with others. Two more. Number nine. The ninth thing is check your vocabulary. And sometimes your biggest enemy is not even the devil. Sometimes your biggest enemy is you. Because you're the one carrying on a conversation with yourself, okay? And in your head, if you're not careful, the words that you speak to yourself can be very demeaning and very belittling and very hopeless. And so the words of your mouth... The words that you speak, the Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death. And so it's not just a matter of the words we speak to others. It's also a matter of the words that we speak to ourselves. And so we want to get an adjustment on our self-talk to make sure that, uh, that we realize that our thoughts have power and our thoughts have capacity. And so to check our thinking and to check our self-talk. And the last one actually is going to bring us to something we'll do today. I want to talk to you about appreciating communion. Most folks don't realize that one of the things that, G- that Jesus gave us as his people as something to do on a consistent basis, on some regular basis as, as the people of God is to gather around the table called the communion table or the Lord's table. Some churches refer to it as the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table. And Jesus said, I want you to take a little piece of bread, take a piece of bread, take a cup, and I want you to eat of this bread and drink of this cup. And when you do so, do so in remembrance of me, okay? Now, why would we have a piece of bread and a cup to drink of? And what, what's, what's that all about? I'll show you what it's, it's, it's actually. It's actually a hope meal, okay? It's a hope meal. It's a way that we can come back time and time again on a consistent basis and rekindle our hope because we are remembering who? Jesus. So when you take that piece of bread, as we're going to do in a few moments, okay, what are we remembering? We're remembering that Jesus Christ loved us enough that he took on every sin that we've ever committed or will ever commit. And he went to the cross 
And he paid the penalty for that sin completely. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Are you with me on this? Whatever you've ever done wrong and you deserve to be judged by God for, okay? You deserve to be punished for what you did wrong. Jesus, when you hold that piece of bread, you're remembering that Jesus took every one of those sins, yours, all of us, collective together, all of humanity, for all of history. And when he went to the cross, the Father put the penalty, the judgment of the sins of the world upon Christ. I can't even imagine that. That's why Jesus on the cross said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, he was facing the judgment of the sins of all the world for all humanity, for all time. And the father turned his back on his very own son in that moment of judgment placed upon Jesus. And I think about, I think that gives me hope, doesn't it you? Okay. That I don't have to live in condemnation. I don't have to live in fear of God. God has made a way for me to have relationship with Him because of what Christ did. He knew that I couldn't save myself, so He sent a Savior for me and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so now communion becomes a visual point when I hold that piece of bread and I eat of it together as we do as a church. We're eating this in remembrance of Jesus and remembrance of Him. And there's a hope that says, you know what? God took the initiative to get me into relationship with him. That's how much he loved me. He loved me so much that he sent his only son into the world so that I could have a relationship with him. Isn't that awesome? Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hello, friend. My name is Michael Oxentanko, pastor. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.